And um, what passages was I on? I was on Matthew 11, 27 through 30, but I'm not going to begin with that. But I must say this, and I'm not trying to impress you at all. I'm just, just going to come out and say it. The more you and I get into the Word of God, and even on the same identical passages, and since it is the unsearchable riches of Christ. Okay, Marge, here I go. If you just open your heart, there is an infinite more for us to learn and respond. Say, respond. Respond. It's not enough to hear the word of God. And you know the rest of the passage, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but in a reason, and so on, to get into the unsearchable riches of Christ. I'm going to try to tone down myself because I've been told several times that I almost get quiet. So I'm going to ask you to help me to work through that this morning. Can I get an amen? Amen. I have entitled this particular lesson or presentation, Behold the Man. Behold the Man. And so this message is actually in two parts. You'll see them being mixed together. It's a message to the lost, and it's a message to we who know the Lord Jesus as our personal Savior. Can I get a witness? So hold on. I might as well start, and here we go. Behold the man, the power of his presence. It is needful to say but few words in regard to the personal appearance of Jesus. So we're talking about the physical appearance right now. All representations are purely imaginary, express the ideas artistic or religious and the various ages in which they have been produced at one time under the influence of the 53rd Psalm, that's not right, the 53rd of Isaiah, he had been thought of as without form or comeliness, having no beauty that we should desire him. And again, the words of the psalmist, which I mistook before, have been applied to him and understood literally, which reads, that is the psalmist, Thou art fairer than the children of men. Number two. But before we go on, let's check out Isaiah 53, which was just cited. Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? Or as the King James says, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up. We must be talking about someone because it says, for he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. 
He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appears that we should be attracted to him. He was despised. And the King James says, rejected men. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried away. Yet we ourselves esteem him not smitten of God and afflicted. I'm thinking about what you just read and what I just read. Smitten. Now I'm not on the main message. I want you to get that clear. Smitten of God and afflicted. I hope you never get tired of me saying this because I certainly don't get tired of repeating it. The man who died on that cross was not smitten by man. Yes, they beat him. Those Roman guards beat him unmercifully. But the real smitten was God Almighty. Let me put it another way. God Almighty, the Father, smote, smit his own son in your behalf and mine. Can I get a witness? He carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Well, why was he afflicted? He carried a complete load of your sins and mine. And God smote, God smote his own son, his only unique son. There's no one else like him. Can I get a witness? In your behalf and mine. And yet, concerning man, he would say this, and this is not in my notes. He who knew no sin was made sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Can I get another witness? Here's another verse. No man, say it, no man, no takes my life from me. I lay it down. No one took his life. And I'm going to say what I heard another pastor say. And maybe you won't believe it, maybe you will. If Jesus Christ 
would not have laid down his life. No one took it from him. Don't be surprised what I'm going to say next. He'd still be on that cross because no one took his life from him. Can I get that amen? And he refused to give up his life until he had paid every jot and every tittle of your sin. Can I get another witness? Now, this is an incidental matter. The trash can was filled up this morning to the brim. So I decided to take it out. What are you leading to, Pastor Brooke? Pastor Bruce? Pastor Brooke? I think about Pastor Brooke, my mentor. Took out that trash, that garbage. What are you getting to, Brother Bruce? Jesus Christ, the Son of God, took out your trash. He took it all out. He didn't leave nothing. He took it all out. And therefore, here he goes again. I'm talking about myself. It is finished. Paid, as somebody said. He paid it in full. And I get so disgusted with people trying to tell others, you've got to earn your salvation. We had a lady here, and she's not here this morning, and I wouldn't dare if she was here. She said, this is between her and I, and I don't mind saying she wouldn't mind either. She backslid. And I'm not trying to give you permission to backslide, but I said salvation is a gift. If you backslide, you're still one of God's children. Can I get a witness? What qualifies you to keep your salvation? You don't have anything to offer him to keep your salvation. Yet where she was going, she was told she's lost again because she backslid. You and I, that's you and I, you better be careful who leads you in religious teaching. Can I get a witness? I don't care if it is Pastor Bruce. I don't care who it is. Isaiah continues. Number three. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. Say our transgressions. It is so difficult to get people to see that we were lost. Our transgression, not his, ours. He was crushed. King James says he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And I don't know Hebrew, so don't think I do, but I read it so many times I remember. That word fell upon, it it means cause to meet. God the Father caused to meet our sins in the eternal 
son of God. They met in him. And by his scourging, we're healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. All. Say all. I'm going to ask you to respond sometime because we're all in it together. What are we all in? We're all lost until you get saved. There's no middle ground. Either you're saved or you're lost. That lady was I was just talking about was told to work out your own salvation. But I want you to notice, he didn't say work for your salvation. He said work it out. Can I get a witness? You have a salvation in you right now if you're a born-again Christian. God's working on you. And he's not going to give up on you either. Because you're his child. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. Once again, who's in him? His son. Behold the man, continue, number four. We have no definite knowledge and inferences which seem valid to some. Another may question. The Jews once said to Jesus, you are not yet 50 years old. And it may be perhaps inferred from this that he looks somewhat older than he really was. It is natural in view of both of his holiness and of his unparalleled physical strain that he endured, that he was free from bodily disease, full of physical valor or strength, and that all the faculties of his body, that's right, I put the word his in there, as a mind were impaired. It is natural also to think that his majesty and greatness and gentleness of his spirit were reflected on his features and in his bearing. When he passed through the midst of, I'm on number five, when he passed through the midst of his enraged townspeople, the force that all, A-W-E, them and made them for the moment powerless against them may have been nothing but the outflashing of his, his mighty will. We can hardly believe otherwise than that his features were capable of expressing in a remarkable degree the tenderness of his love. Say tenderness. I know I cut the sentence in half, but I got a question for you, and I hope you respond. Have you experience the tenderness of Jesus Christ. Have you, let me put it succinctly, I met a man two years ago now, maybe three, up on High Street handing out magazines. And I'm going to tell you right now, it was a false gospel. But I said to him, 
if you were the only person on earth, would Jesus, would, would Jesus have died for your sins? Can I get a witness? And I'm not trying to exalt myself. He was stunned. Because if you were the only, you or me were the only person on earth, Jesus Christ would have died for your sins. Have you experienced the tenderness of him who says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save? Some of you already said it, that which was lost. And that thus there was manifested a power which drew outcasts to his feet and broke the heart of Peter in the midst of his denials. You and I know Peter denied the Lord how many times? He died. Peter's in this book. Why? Because he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And when you find the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you write a book or not, you can talk about him. Can I get, get a witness? How many times have you talked about the Son of God this week? Do you have a testimony? Can you, have you shared it with others? But passing through their midst, he went his way. That's the Luke 4.30. Let me go on. Now, to our primary text, Matthew 11.27 through 30. All things have been handed or committed over to me by my Father. And no one, that's right, Pastor Jack, I got one Greek word in here. Epikonosko. I'll tell you about that later. The Son, except the Father. Nor does anyone know Epikonosko, the Father, except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I. I want you to respond. Who's the I? It's Jesus who says, come to me. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I don't know who I'm talking about or talking to. Whoever you are, you can learn about Jesus in this book. And he is willing to reveal who he is if you just seek his face. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. Somebody said it. And my load or burden is light. 
all things, on one number seven, all things have been delivered unto me by my Father. And this sublime claim is not to be whittled down away by explanation. It is the timeless heiress. I'm going to tell you what that is in a moment. Timeless heiress, like, and it points back to a moment in eternity and implies the pre-existence of the Messiah. Let me stop right there and read it again so you get it. This awesome claim is not to be whittled down or away by some kind of pious explanation. It is, in the Greek, the timeless areas. And what does it do? It points back to a moment in eternity and implies the preexistence of the Messiah. Let me put it this way, and I'm going to tell you, I had to ask the Lord about this passage, and I also asked Pastor Jack to help me. It means... Before the world began, God the Father told his son, I want you to go down and save those whom I have chosen. Can I get an amen? Do you get it? Before, I know it's on the next screen also, before the world or anything, even time, God spoke, God the Father spoke to his son. And he said, I want you to go down in human flesh, in humanity, and whosoever will, let him come. The messianic consciousness of Christ. Well, what do you mean by that? Jesus, don't let anybody fool you. Jesus knew he was the Messiah. He knew he was the coming one. I'm going to add this, and I don't know why I'm adding this. If you're saved, you know it. Can I get an amen? amen. Where did you get that from, Brother Bruce? These things... I have written unto you, once again, don't let Brother Bruce or any other person take away that you know you have eternal life. Because it's not of your doing, he did it. These things I have written unto you that you may know. Not hope so, not go in the grave and wake up and think there's a second chance, but right now. 1 John 5, 13, 5, 10 through 13, and I'm going to repeat it. These things I have written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Not will have, you have it. Amen. And that ought to be a cause of absolute mayhem. The Messianic consciousness of Christ is here as clear as a bell. It, it is a moment of high fellowship, high fellowship. Note epigonosco, which I already said, which means fully know. And I'm not going to try to pronounce this next word because I have trouble with it, but I know it means wills. What are you talking about? To whom the Father, I got it backward, for whom the Son wills 
to reveal to you the Father. More of that coming up next. And how about this outlandish statement? No one knows, epikonosko, the son, except the father. And Marge, can you see it there? Slow down, Brother Bruce. And no one fully knows the son except the father, nor does anyone fully know Epikonosko, the father, except the son, and anyone to whom the son wills to reveal him. When you get a revelation from this book, it's because God the, God the son willed to reveal to you who is the father. Did you get what the Son of Man said? And no one knows the Son except the Father. No man knows the Son. That is such a natural, uh, let me get it right. That is, such is the nature of the Son. Such the mystery of the union between the divine and human nature. Divine and human nature. What do you mean by that, Brother Bruce? I'm just going to read... I'm not going to read it. I hope I repeat this correctly. John 1.14. And the word became flesh. And he dwelled among us. That no mortal can fully comprehend him. None but God fully knows him. How is it that no one can know the son fully except God? Had he been a mere man, this language surely would have not been used. Some of the things that Jesus said, either he was a blasphemer or he was God. Oh, he was surely deluded. I'm going to add this to it, number 10. Anyone who can say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am what? the light and no man can come to the father except through me he must be crazy if he's not the eternal son of God but he's not crazy he's not deluded he's not a blasphemer he is the eternal son of the living God And we talk about messianic consciousness. Jesus knew from eternity that he was going to come down and seek and save you and me. He knew it. You think there was a plan after Adam and Eve got saved? It was God's plan because he knew man was going to sin. He had a plan all along. If you don't believe that, I'm not going to turn to it. Read Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. But something remarkable happened. Even from the distance set up by our creatureliness and sinfulness, we may know the infinite 
eternal and holy God in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ with the knowledge of Christ himself has of his Father. He, Jesus Christ, mediates to us a knowledge of God that is authentic as his own, though not exhaustive as his own. Can you please synthesize that for us, Brother Bruce? Even though you and I are creatures, you can still know the living God through Jesus Christ. Why? I'll tell you why. One reason I can tell you. He was with his father. Yes, and I said this last week. He had a face-to-face relationship, fellowship with his father. And may I add this, in our creatureliness, he wants to have a fellowship with you and me. A fellowship that includes love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, and mercy, a fellowship that includes talking to him, talking to who? Talking to Jesus or God the Father, one-on-one. Number 10, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. To me, Paul, the very least of all the saints, this grace, say grace. Grace. I'm going to say it again. I'm thinking about that lady last week and others. I got to do something. I got to stop this habit. I got to stop that habit. I got to stop drinking and getting drunk and all those things. Yes, you do need to stop them. But you're not saved because you cleaned up your life. You're saved by the eternal grace of God. To me, Paul, the very least of all saints, say saints. And don't you let anybody talk you out of your sainthood. If you're saved, you're a saint. I don't know what stage you're in, but you're still a saint. Because it has been imputed to you the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You're not a saint because you did this or that. You're a saint because God lives within you and imputes his own righteousness to your account. I'm tired of people trying to take away the awesome grace of God. Trying to cheat him out of his goodness and his mercy. Because you did something. Well, that's fine. But Jesus, he paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, and he washed it. 
white as snow. Under me, who am the least, this is another version, who am less than the least of the, all saints. Why is that, Brother Bruce? Because he persecuted the church until he got saved. Until, I'm going to put it this way, until God knocked him down. And some of you, God got to knock you down before he can lift you up and acknowledge, okay, Lord, what do you want? Unto me, who am the least of, of all the saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. I put it another way in number 12. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. But why did you put that parallel to, the, to this other verse, the depth of the sun? To me, the very least of all the saints, that this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable, King James says, unsearchable riches of Christ. I'll tell you why I said it. Again, you're probably going to get tired of me. That all men... That's right. May honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. Can I get a witness? Amen. Don't you let anyone tell you that Jesus is less than a Father. He's a created being. He is indeed. Honor the Son even as, just as, you honor the Father. Again, tremendous insights on this verse, and certainly not for me, even from the distance set up by our creatureliness and sinfulness. That's right, I'm repeating it. We may know the infinite, eternal, and holy God in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ with the knowledge that Christ has of himself. He, Jesus Christ, mediated. Say mediates. I'm going to go to the next verse because I can see I'm going to run out of time. Okay, Brother Bruce, you're repeating yourself again. There's one mediator between God and man. Behold the man. Christ Jesus. He's a man. I'm going to say it again. Well, he's only a spirit in prison. I'm sorry, not in prison. He's a, a spirit in heaven. There's only one mediator between God and man. All I got to do is repeat the scriptures. The man. I don't know why I like to say that. Christ Jesus. Say it again, brother. First Timothy two five. I want to say more, but I better keep going. Such knowledge is not the playground of the religious philosopher, nor the lofty view of the intellectual, nor the native intuition of the mystic. I'm not putting down those who are intelligent. No, I'm not doing that. I would dare do that. 
But when you start dealing with calling Jesus, he's just a charlatan. He's just an imposter. Yeah, you're religious, but you're lost. Such knowledge is a given thing. It is given now, then, by the risen Christ. Say risen Christ. I'm going to add this, and this is not in your notes. Maybe you'll remember it. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it up in three days. He didn't say my father, although that's true. That's found in Romans. But he said, I will raise it up in three days. Either he's a liar, a blasphemer, a fool, he's crazy. He himself said, destroy this temple, which means the temple of his body. And I will raise it up in three days. And let me say this. Jesus said to one whose brother had died, I am the resurrection. And someday God is going to raise every born again Christian and those who are not Christians to a quality of life unparalleled. Got where I am. We could hardly be a more relevant or urgent truth. Oh, I need to say this whether I get done with this sermon or not. There could there could be hardly there could hardly be any more relevant or urgent truth for our time than this. We know so much, yet we know so little. Can you agree with that? And all because our starting point is wrong. We have made man the measure of all thing. That's right, it says thing, and he is busy taking the measure of all things even while he is losing the measure of all things. Our data banks are loaded with technical know-how while our century has become or had become bankrupt of the know-why. Even as we solve problems, we remain in our greatest, we remain our greatest problem. Let me repeat that. Even as we solve the problem, we remain our greatest problem. We can control colossal forces, but we can't control ourselves. Even as we see the possibilities, we fail to reach them. And indeed, they seem to move farther and farther away. Well, let's, let's get to the text. Let's get to number 17. Having locked, locked out or locked into a scientifically determined universe, we find ourselves lost in spiritual emptiness. I know I said it wrong. We're lost in a spiritually empty universe with no higher purpose and in which life has no ultimate meaning. Our response, number 18, our response to this, Aishinamana has been to people our universe with gods, projections of our own hopes and fears, mystic philosophers and occultic experience that are intended to give 
I changed it on my other computer, but that word should be give greater value of meaning to the word of brute facts and physics. Once again, man becomes the starting point, and inevitably his creation is as flawed as, as his creator. What's your point, Brother Bruce? Here's my point. Jesus calls us to a new starting point. He is the new starting point. You leave out Jesus and you have a collapsed universe. He offers help from the outside. If we will leave our learned limitations, our stunted wisdom, if we will in things of God become little children and learn from him, then in our busyness, of our days and the excitement of our discoveries and the disappointment of our affairs, we shall find rest for your soul. But Jesus is the starting point. When you make science and all these other isms the point of your, the standpoint of which you view everything, you left out the most important person in the entire, not in the entire world, the entire universe. You leave out Christ and you've got nothing. And I don't know who you are. And I'm not trying to pick on you because I don't know who you are. You leave out Christ, and you're headed for a Christless eternity. Because you're going to live on. Well, when you're dead, you're dead. Well, you keep on believing that. And one second, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic, I'm not trying to be smart, I'm not trying to be anything. One second after you die, you'll know that's totally false. I'm going to say it again because I'm tired of all these isms. Trying to take away what the Bible says. Let me just put it this way and I'll go on. What does it profit a man? If you gain billions and billions and billions of dollars... And you lose your soul. You go out into eternity without the living Christ. What does it profit you? I'm not, I'm not saying I, I like money just like anybody else. But all the money in the world won't save Brother Bruce. And all the money in the world won't save you. I'll tell you what will save you. The blood... Of Jesus Christ. That'll save you. Well, what do you mean? What's, in what's included with that blood? The death. The burial. The resurrection. Of the eternal son of God. That's what's included. What else is included? Brother Bruce. That he personally. Say personally. Paid for your sin. And I keep on emphasizing this because some people think that he didn't pay at all. If he didn't pay at all, he might as well not paid any. And I don't know who I'm talking to. 
But if Jesus, in all that agony, and all that pain, incalculable, that's right, you can't imagine, our minds cannot contain what he went through for you and me. You're incapable. Matter of fact, some scholars think that because of the pain, his heart burst. And yet he would say, before he went to the cross, not my will, finish the rest, my will be done. And you talk about, and I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit sarcastic, you talk about sweating bullets. This man suffered so much that the Bible says he slept blood. And scientists who are now catching up to what the Bible says, there is a condition in man. It is so, I don't know what the word is, horrific that a person can actually sweat blood. Science is catching up to the Bible. The Bible's not catching up to science. Can I get a witness? His life, 20, did not begin in Bethlehem. Only his human life began there. Through all eternity, he was with the Father. All things were made by him. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. For us men and women, and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. This is the wonder and glory of the gospel. God so loves us that he came himself and still comes to us in Christ. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We cannot fathom this great truth, but we know that in Jesus, God comes to us himself. We know that Jesus is God of God, light of light, very God of very God. We know that Jesus is our friend. Say our friend. Do you know that Jesus is your friend? How about it? You talk to other people about your problem. How about Jesus? He's the best friend you could have, and he won't go out and gossip about it. You got some friends who aren't your friends. You tell them, and they'll say something. Hey, do you know uh, Brother Bruce told me about this or that? You got a friend indeed who won't spread any rumors about what you told them. He's your master, our savior, our Lord and God. Our faith in him, our help from him, or love for him depend upon realizing and knowing who he is. The work of Jesus here on earth did not end at his ascension. What's that mean? When he rose from the dead. His work for the whole world began then. To his church he gave this promise. Lo, I am with you. What's the next word? Always, and this promise he fulfills. His influence is felt everywhere, but the church is the pledged seer of his ministry to us. I want to get to a certain thing, but I'm not going to go fast. I got a lot of certain things. And when you get into the Bible, there's a whole lot of certain things. Can I get a witness? For instance, let me give you one certain thing. Did you know that the word salvation, the Lord is my salvation, is that could be translated, the Lord is my Yeshua. It could be. The word salvation is the same word that's used for Jesus. Now, where did you get that from? 
I didn't get it on my own. I would never claim that. I got it from studying God's word and studying what some Hebrew scholars have said. The word is my salvation. Those words, my salvation, is the word, here I go again, is the word Yeshua. That's the same word used for Jesus. All you that labor, weary, and heavy laden. The metaphor here appears to be taken from a man who has a great load upon, his, upon him. Some of you, including me, you got a great load. I heard from my sister-in-law yesterday. I don't know where that beeping is from. But anyhow, I heard from my sister-in-law. And she said, brother-in-law, 20 years ago, you gave me some books. And I'm not going to put words in her mouth, so I'm going to make sure I say the right thing. She says, I wasn't ready there then. But thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I got a new start. Can I get a witness? And God wants to give you a new start in his son, Christ Jesus. She never threw away the books. But she's just now coming to realize what they meant. And God has a message that you can give to others. If you just go out and share, it might be years before they come. But you planted the seed. One plants, one waters. And who gives the increase? God will give the increase. You just do your job and leave the rest up to him. And I like to say this because you can't do anything anyhow. All you can do is plant the seed or water the seed, but God gives the increase. Your, Your only credit is that you did what the Lord told you to do. I'm going to go into the next one because... I need to go. The Jews heavily laden with the burdensome rights of the Mosaic institution, rendered still more oppressive by the additions made by the scribes and Pharisees, who, our Lord says, bound on heavy burdens and laboring by their observation or observance of the law. You got, I'm going to just bypass a lot of that. They, they said this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you got to do that. And I, they even added on to the scriptures. Let me read the last part. Are here thereby to lay down their load. Lay all that stuff aside. And receive the salvation procured for them or you by Christ. I'm going to say it again. Please don't get tired of me. Receive the salvation gravitated, obtained for you by Christ. Forget all those rules and resolutions. Forget, forget it. It's not going to save you. Oh, I'm going to, I know I said it before. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop swearing. I'm going to start using his name in vain. I'm going to do all that. That won't save you. That's what, the, that's what the religious leaders do. You better be careful, even with Brother Bruce. 
putting on you a lot of rules. You got to do this. And, no, you don't. Get saved. How do you get saved? By Jesus Christ. Sinners, weighed in the ways of iniquity, are also invited to come to Christ and find speedy relief. Penitents, what's a penitent? Those who say, I'm sorry, I had enough of myself. Burdened with the guilt of their crimes may come to this sacrifice. Say sacrifice. sacrifice. Did you notice it's, it's, it's in capital letters, at least the first word? Because Jesus is the sacrifice. And find instant pardon. Believers, sore tempted and oppressed by the remains of the carnal mind, may come to this blood that cleansed from all unrighteousness. Can I get an amen to that? The blood, I've said it before, that ran in the veins of Jesus Christ, according to Acts 20 28, was the blood of God. And he'll save you. If you stop thinking you're Mr. It or Mr. That. An additional look, 325. I'm almost, oh, I got, I'm coming just in time. Although infinitely beyond human comprehension, Tom, this is for you. Although infinitely beyond human comprehension, God's sovereignty and human responsibility are inseparable in salvation. God sovereignly provides the grace that draws sinners, but they must humbly come in faith and commit to obey the Lord Jesus before salvation becomes complete. Can I get an amen to that? He offers it. Christ makes this clear when he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And this is the next part. This is your part and mine. And the one who comes to me. Sounds like you've got something to do. You've got something to do, except to finish work. I will certainly not cast out. 26. I'm almost done. Thank you, Miss Sheila. That's right, I call her Mrs. Sheila. And you know what? God's got a new name for you. It is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And like Dr. Charles Stanley says, there's no eraser. Once you're saved, I know some people teach that you can, you can be lost. I'll say it this way. Once you're saved, you're always saved. Because you're saved <laughs> Oh, I almost choked on that. You're saved by the blood. Amen. Redemption comes not through human creed, denominational prejudices, favorite rituals, certain pastors, priests, or theological gurus, but only through the atoning work of Jesus Christ. When he says, come to me, it means we must come to him having trusted in his substitutionary death and having reached the point of willingness to submit to his lordship. The Lord teaches, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Coming to Jesus means believing in him, and that results in no longer hungering or thirsting from a lack of salvation's blessing. Was that too much to swallow? Let me put it this way. I am the bread of life. 
I'm almost done, Pastor. Jesus gives his summary of salvation, which includes the most well-known verse. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so will the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever, say whoever, whoever. believes may in, him, may in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son. Here's from John McGarthin. I only had two slides to go. There are so, there are so many internal squabbles about actual transfer action of salvation. But can't we all agree that no one is saved unless Jesus does it? And that no one is given salvation unless the person receives it. May we be more concerned about men and women than we are about talks and meetings. Take my yoke upon you. I am meek and lowly in heart. Wherever pride and anger dwell. There is nothing but mental labor and agony. But where meekness and humility of Christ dwell, all is smooth, even peace, even peaceable and quiet. For the work of righteousness is peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. I got one more, two more to go. That is, the services that I shall require are easily rendered. They are not burdensome like all other systems of religion. What's one system of religion? I'm just going to say just one verse, just one thing. You're such a good person. God's going to accept you with all your foils. Yes, he will. But there's one thing you missed. It's by grace. It's not because you're such a good person or prideful person. It's by his grace. Can I get a witness? I got one more to go, and I'm going to stop. Behold, that's what John said. John the Baptist, behold the man, looking for that blessed hope and the appearing of the, of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for you who are, have been studying the scriptures, and I'm not going to get into it because it becomes too lengthy, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The great God and Savior is one person, Jesus Christ. He just said it. It's Granville Sharp's rule. And I'm not going to explain. You have to go home and look at it. Yeah. Go ahead, brother. For we also were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived. Say deceive. If you think, if you're such an intellectual that you're going to just make, you're going to have it your own way regardless, you're going to come to, you're going to, come to God on your own terms, and you're going to do this and that, you're lost. You're deceived. For we also were foolish ourselves, disobedient, enslaved to various lusts, and pleasure, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Here's the key. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love, say his love. For mankind appeared, he saved us. Past tense. Not on the basis of good deeds. I know I added the word deeds, good. Basis of deeds which we have done 
and righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and by the renewing of the Holy Spirit. I don't think there's any more. I said I was going to close, and I closed just in time. I could say more, but I like to be on time, and I don't want to, I don't want to overdo it. If there's anyone here, and no, I'm not going to ask you to come up here. You talk to God on your own. Can I get a witness? Get in your room, and I can put it this way. Get in your little private bathroom or wherever you go and talk to Jesus and tell him, I know you paid for my sins. I know you suffered incalculable pain for me personally. I now receive you or something similar as my personal Savior. And you know what? I guarantee you, if you're sincere, he'll save you. I'm done. Let's give the Lord a hand. Let me the Lord bless you and keep you.